My, how time flies. It has been six months since I have recorded an episode of this uh, audio journal thing. You have to forgive me. My voice is uh, still a little rusty after a two-week coughing fit that I recently had. So I I sound like like I've been smoking for 20 years, but only every... You know, every 15 words or so, as the gunk accumulates. I had to hit record tonight at midnight, um, April 8th, 2015. Because if I, if I didn't, I probably would never record anything ever again. And I haven't, I haven't recorded anything for a while. Let me check. The two shows that I was doing before I stopped, I, one of them has been since February, so February, March, April. So two months on a show I've done for nearly nine years. And then if I click on Movie Beatdown, um, a show that I enjoy very, very much, uh, February. Um, yeah. So basically I haven't podcasted anything apparently for two months. And then, uh, and this one, like I said, six months goes, goes by quick. Um, right now in my, I'm going to, this will make sense for later, but right now I am depressed. I'm down. Um, not as bad as, as I've, as I've been in the past, like when it was really, 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 really bad. Um, but I'm not happy and I'm not feeling good about life or myself or anything like that right now, uh, tonight and pretty much every night this week. I recently for the last seven to eight days have been unnaturally, uh, fixated on Minecraft, which before I, I hated, I hated it. I, and I hate it because <clears throat> when uh it's the game I played when I was coming up out of my uh the darkest of the dark times and it's the game that I play when I'm dipping down into the the yuckiness again and uh I guess that's a good thing it, it's better than going to drugs and alcohol and you know that's what other folks have been known to do who deal with depression when they swing uh, their bipolarness one way or the other they go they go uh, and do things that they would normally never think of doing so so on a scale you know it's it's pretty light but uh, explaining uh, why you know how someone could hate minecraft that's that's why you know it both reminds me of a place I never want to be again and it also um, serves as a you know, warning that I might be back there again. So, um, <clears throat> said all that to say that in a in the big picture, you know, for the last couple of months things have not been bad. I didn't quit podcasting because things were bad. Um, I I think after talking to my wife just last night about it 
I quit podcasting because we're moving. And and there's a lot of uh, pressures and stresses associated with that. And she said something pretty key that I had forgotten about. Um, she said, James, I still think that you are that you have a certain amount of energy every day and when you use it up it's gone and and that's something that I used to say to her I'd explain to her how life was that um, when you're depressed uh, you you have a certain amount of energy and it doesn't matter what it is in the week or in your day whether it's something good or something bad and stressful no matter what it is, it takes that energy from you and, uh, <clears throat> and therefore, you, you know, you, you end up, you end the day pretty beat up, no matter if it was a good day, you know, with good things happening or bad things happening. And, and so that helped me feel good. I mean, well, better that my podcasting, I didn't quit because I'm genuinely done or that I, I've, I'm somehow just shut off to it or whatever. I don't know. Um, it's because there's stuff going on in my life, like legit stuff, like moving. Moving is not a bad thing, but it's you know it's on the list of some of the most stressful things possible. But yeah, we for those of you that don't know and don't follow me on Twitter or Facebook, which you should, because um, I never update it, so it's like it's nothing extra added to your timelines there. But um, when I do, I, I did mention that we were moving. We're moving to St. Louis, Missouri. I can talk about it because everybody that we, um, you know, family-wise, has been told. Uh, but we're we're moving there, and it's going to be pretty fun. We're moving to St. Louis, Missouri. In case I didn't say it exactly that way before, <clears throat> we're moving there to uh, join forces with my you know best friend in the world, mentor, you know, um, whatever. He's a he's a nationally appointed urban missionary. He's been in inner city St. Louis. Uh, for the last eight years plus, uh, building relationships and connecting and and creating a small, a very small uh, group of disciples in St. Louis. His name is is David. And until, he's been doing this for a while. And this isn't the first time we've considered going out there. Um, When I first wanted to move here, or, you know, leave my position at my uh, Kansas City church. Um, we we actually postponed moving into a home and and rented a, an apartment for six months because we weren't sure if we were supposed to stay or go. Um, that, that's a whole different story. It's very boring. Um but we we stayed in this place waiting to see. But but at the end of the day, we we felt like no, that we just didn't get what he was trying to do. At the end of the day, never would have said that in a billion years to his face or otherwise. I just didn't understand 
he's doing. You know, he didn't start a church. He's he's connecting with people in the in the neighborhoods. You know, he he's not getting a building and and asking people to come to create this bigger and bigger, most successful entity. Um, he's getting to know bartenders and and tattoo artists and uh, graffiti guys and you know moms and with kids who don't have mattresses in their houses and he's just he's meeting all these needs and i realized now so many uh years later the reason why i didn't get it is because i had to had to go through what i've been through for the last two or three years i had to you know kind of get I had to get, I, I can't say what I want to say, but I had to get to a place where I understood that the way we do church in America, and this is with plenty of, of uh, understanding that, that not everybody does church the same way and not every church falls into this Thing. But in in general, the way we do church is not for non-Christians. I, I, that actually came out a lot less offensive than I thought it would. And I think most people would agree that church works really good for people that go to church. And if you ever doubt that, go visit another church. And um, especially one that is completely different from yours and you could probably just sit there and imagine without him having to go how awkward it is and you don't know anybody and you don't know what to do. You don't want to kneel when to eat this thing or do you go to the front? Do you sit in the back? Do you sign a card? Are they going to call you out? You know, <clears throat> so church is really good for, for church people and, and people get saved at church and people come to church. And usually though it's people with, you know, some sort of religious background. Well, St. Louis, there's not a lot of there, there's not a lot of people, not as many, that have been there. And so, we are going up there not to connect with a church. Not that there's anything wrong with church. It's more even though it is a church. Um, it's just a a church that doesn't have a building. <laughs> it doesn't have a a large congregation. Um. Matter of fact, most of the people that I would consider part of that church aren't saved um, and probably don't even know <laughs> that they are. Um, we're, we're going there because, because my experience in, in having to quit my job because of my depression and, and my inability to fulfill my duties um, and experiencing a experiencing the inability of a traditional church structure to meet I my and my family's spiritual, emotional, physical needs. Um, I want I I now get what David's doing. In, in St. Louis. 
because he's not doing church, even though it is, like I said before, it is a, it's more of a mission. It's more of an outreach using church words. Of course, like I said, most of the people there in, in that, that his area of, of influence would, would never claim to be a part of his church, but they are, whether they know or not. And it's because of this, because he's everybody's pastor. You don't have to go to his church to, for him to be your pastor. You don't have to go to his church for him to care about you and to look after you and to ask you if you need things or to help you start your business or the you know your kids to get mattresses for their so they can sleep on something instead of the floor. And that that sounds really common actually it really sounds like something people just do but but it's not it's not because i've been to several churches as a as a lay person that's a word that pastors use for people that aren't pastors and i've gone to churches and and people don't know who i am they you know i'm just me and my kids and my wife and um when i can't participate the way they want me to and when I can't connect the way church wants you to, um, we we find ourselves having to to kind of move on. Um, you know, you can't be a depressed person and sit in a service where every sermon is ends with some sort of you're not living a life that pleases God. You know, kind of de- depressive type of you know. I don't need to hear. I already feel like God hates me. I don't need to hear. In fact, yes, he does. I speak to him daily as your pastor. And I am confirming every Sunday that, yes, indeed, he hates you. So go in peace, my child. So, you know, I've experienced, I guess, the way church feels as an outsider. And when when I look at what he does now, I, I get it. I get it. Why 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 would you want a building? Why would you want uh success um tradition in the traditional American sense? Um that is not the way the kingdom of God, the you know, the eye of God is measured. It's not by numbers. Uh well numbers are people. Yes, yes they are, but um discipling is supposed to be some sort of one-on-one intimate, you know, you're following someone who is a mentor to you and all this kind of stuff. And and it just isn't that discipleship now is just going to a class for six weeks so that you can join a ministry because we've made programs out of everything. And I don't think churches, you know, personally right now where I'm at personal opinion Fight me if you want to. Um, I don't think churches are supposed to be big. I think um, what I see as a trend, at least in in the churches that I am involved with and affiliated with, is it's um, they they it's almost like a business. I I want to do well. I want to have a lot of people, so I have influence. So I get asked to go to conferences and speak. And, and um, that's not what church is supposed to be. Pastors are 
that word, you know, is pastor. Spanish means shepherd. Supposed to be, yeah, leaders, but also servants. We protect. We're there to guide and and direct and lead. And I read in a book, read in a book um, a few months back. It may have been more than six months, by the way, because wow, that went by quick. But it said this that if if you know pastors are supposed to lead by example, if if your it was it was a book two pastors so he's asking the question one on one if if your people followed your example this past week he said the author says they would probably um do service prep and and go to a series of meetings and that's would be their christian walk if they followed your lead and man that hit me hard because that's that became a lot of my job. Um, it, it you know the, this last you know this last position that I was at it was and mostly I'll be I'll be honest it's mostly my fault because I was falling into depression it was getting bad slowly slowly you know things would just degrade and i and 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 i wasn't able to do much more than the bare minimum and the bare minimum was to come show up put in my time in the office and leave but even though i was going through you know the depression thing um the author was not far off for so many pastors um ministry is a series of meetings having to deal with people that were offended about things that were said in the last sermon or the wood chips in the, um, you know, in the, in the lawn um, are not red enough or so-and-so, um, you know, works for a sound system company and he's put together a great package deal. Um, but he won't fix anything with the sounds system until we've paid for the package deal, even though we can't afford the package deal and no one wants to offend him, even though he's a butthole, uh, because he's got this package deal and then he gets offended and leaves the church anyway. And we've suffered all this time with the crippled sound system. And now we don't get the deal. Anyway, that was just totally hypothetical. (laughs) Just saying right off the top of my head. So pastors are in a, you know, many of them are in a cycle of, of uh, administrative tasks and having to deal with things um, that aren't really ministry. And I've told Jen for years and I've told other people for years, I am called to do ministry. I'm not called to the office. And uh, St. Louis is an opportunity, I think, um, believe with all my heart, actually, that uh, that will offer that a chance to help people with real problems, not just that you know their child is upset that I told the story of Mary Magdalene being drug out and um, almost stoned to death. Why did you tell them what stone meant? Well, why didn't you? Why did? Why was I the first person to tell you? Because this is all hypothetical too. 
for reals though this time because you're a children's pastor i don't have to tell my kids about jesus i don't have to direct them everything's just done for me i come here and i pay my tithe i give you money it's just like a theater right i do stuff for you you're supposed to do stuff for me it's expected i don't have to respect you you're the children's pastor I just have to boss you around so you can do what I want you to do. I respect you as much as I do their teacher, and that is not very much. I respect their coach a lot more than their teacher. Anyway, now I'm getting off track. So I want to be a pastor. If I'm going to be a pastor, and that is what I do, it's what I what I was called to do. I can't get away from it. When I stand before God, he's going to say, Pastor James, or he'll say James, and he'll say, I made you a pastor. What'd you do with it? I'm going to have to answer for that. And I'd like to have something better to say than what I've done, you know, in the past, which some of it was really cool stuff. I'm going to really look forward to it. And I hope I can use a multimedia presentation uh, when presenting it. But up there in St. Louis, I'm, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a back seat, still be a pastor, but I want to be somebody that if someone were to follow my lead, they would end up doing some some ministry, hands-on ministry, um, what most people would call outreach. I will be doing, you know, hopefully full-time eventually. Now, I'm going up there. We're, we're, we're moving up there primarily to be a part of the, his community. And it's not just me. It's my wife, my kids, part of the community. Um to, to, to serve the people, to get to know folks, and just be an influence in whatever neighborhood we end up in. We haven't found a house yet. so And just do church differently. Um, because you shouldn't have to go to church to have a pastor. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. You shouldn't have to go. Should you go to church? Yes. And the Bible's clear. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That it's good, you know, for people to do this and come together and have meals and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But here is one of the things. Another thing I read in a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. Great book. I highly suggest it for any Christian out there that um, struggles and needs to hear about how God's grace just works for people that are really broken. Um, and and who are consistently broken, like for their whole life broken. But the one thing in there that I really liked is is actually it, it stung me. I've often told my wife and other people that would listen, and I've probably even said it on this very um, podcast series. Is there's a part of the Bible that's always bugged me, and it's the description of the church, and in one of them it says that you bring your Confess, no, it says confess your sins one to another. Okay? I'm actually going to look it up real quick because it's, it's. All right. So I'm going to find it. It's James uh, 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have heard that last part quoted and used the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I heard that a hundred times, but I've never heard anyone ever, not once, 
ever, ever, ever in a lifetime of churches and in various uh, experiences. I've never heard anyone get together and say, let's talk about what sucks about us. Let's talk about our sins. Let's confess what we do wrong to each other. Because no, it's the opposite of that. And that's why how, how I can prove that something is broken about the way we do church is nobody does that. Nobody. But Brendan Manning talked about, he was obviously talking about an AA meeting. I believe he, you know, had a, had an alcohol problem. He goes into a lot of detail about a lot of experiences with his meetings. But one of them in particular, he was comparing, and I don't know if I was reading into it or not, but it's still a good comparison and contrasting. But he's talking about church where, we go in the building and we put on the best version of ourselves. And if people ask us how we're doing, we're blessed. Yeah, there's those people that are a little less fortunate with a little less money, maybe a little less brains, we think, and they will answer truthfully. And then you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, I'm sorry I asked because I got to get to service because they're singing that really wonderful song that I like. But for the most part, we put up an image and we have an agreement with each other that I will accept your false face if you will accept mine. But in the early church and and, and here we are instructed, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. So Brennan Manning talked about his AA meeting and he goes in there and he sits down and everyone says, you know, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. He goes through a hypothetical confession where somebody says, you know, this week, totally screwed up. I drank. I messed up. I got totally smackered. I, I you know, stole a car, whatever, whatever. You know. And he's and he's done and he's broken and he's empty and he's crying and he's so ashamed and he's sure that everyone there is going to be mad at him and kick him out, judge him and harass him. And the guy next to him slaps him on the back and says, he says, I screwed up too. But we're going we're gonna to hang in there and we're going to get this right. And everybody around the group supported him and said, said things that were good to him. And I'm emotionally affected by that every time I think about it because that sounds like what I'm reading here. James 5.16. You go to church and you have something really, really broken inside of you. You cannot share it. People will judge you and reject you and slide their children away from you. They will quit talking to you and asking you how you are doing because they need to get to the car because it's lunchtime. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to share. They would have to. The thing is, in Brendan Manning's example, what did they they sat down? They started off with one understanding. They were all alcoholics. And I understand. I used to wonder about 
saying this about myself, but I, I now believe 100% accuracy that I am on target when I say that I am a sinner. I am a broken man. I am a sinner. And I have sinned my entire life. I just want to be at a place in a community full of people that can start with that basic understanding that we that I am a sinner. Well, I am too. <laughs> well, so am I. I am, me too. Yeah, we all are. Instead of I am a Christian. Now, I know that some of you are, you know, doing what I'm doing, and, and you would say, yeah, you're a sinner, but you're saved by grace. You are an overcomer. The Bible has all these things. Yes, I agree. I agree 100% that all those things are true. I I am a friend of God. I am, you know, all these different things, uh, but, I'm, but I'm also a sinner, too. Okay? I think we, we believe all the other things. And we don't accept it. And, and, and it's not a condemning thing. It's actually a really big freeing thing, especially in the example that I gave. If we could just accept about ourselves and each other that we're all broken, we're all messed up, and we're all sinners, and we all need God. And we all, apparently, according to James 5.16, we need each other because we're supposed to know what each other's going through so we can pray for each other. You know, you know what you, you know what you hear? You know what you hear in church? You hear the little lady with with her hand up and she says, I have an unspoken. And we accept that because that's become a trend because there is something so horrible going on in that lady's life. She can't trust the people that she's going to share eternity with. She can't open it up for sheer embarrassment's sake. You know why? Because nobody else is going to open up. But if we all did, if we all admitted it, if we all laid it out there, if we all realized that we were sinners saved by grace, not of our own, at least any man should boast, but but even in our salvation, we are not better than we were. We are better off than we were in an eternal sense. But God listens to to non-Christians just as much as he listens to Christians. It's not like you get a whole different um, access to God. God pursues, the Holy Spirit pursues the non-Christian. Unsaved people's prayers are heard by God. Otherwise, salvation would never, well, traditional salvation, meaning with a prayer, would not be possible. So Christianity has become a religion of being right and righteous and better, even though we're not. And that's why scandals rock our world when our evangelists and our pastors and our megachurch leaders fall so hard because they and we built them up so high and we claw them all the way down because we needed to believe that something above us was possible. Something between Jesus is perfection, unattainable in this life. Maybe there was an in-between 
You know, Jesus was the in-between, but we need an in-between to Jesus. So I'm going to St. Louis um, for all these reasons, to be ministered to, because I need to heal. Right now I don't feel like I'm very much good at anything or use of anything, uh, for anything, rather. Um, And David claims that... uh, I, my value there will not be based on what I can or can't do, but on the fact that I'm me. And I need that. I need that kind of environment, don't we all? It's not performance-based, but just, you know, you're who you are, and you live near me, so you're awesome, you know. Uh, and that's, that's what I need. I, I am not still, even though I have come a long way in my journey uh, through depression and anxiety and um, bipolar, which seems to be the wonderful thing that never stops. Um, I, I, I can't go to a traditional church and work because even though I'm better, I am not great and I have my days and I have my weeks and even my freaking hobbies that I love more than life. I, I don't do them for two months at a time. Um, because of you know complications and energy levels and all that, so I, I I'm still not to where I can have a, a traditional church job, but I can go to St. Louis and work with him and help him do what he's doing, you know, because on the days that I'm able, yay benefit. The days I can't, well I'm not in charge of any programs, you know. I'm there when I can be and I can't be, you know, and um, it's going to be good. Now, it's not going to be a a paid position. It's not even going to be an official position. We haven't talked about any of this Um, um, other than the thing about when I said, am I going to be of any value if I'm, you know, on and off and again, and he says your value is not based on that. That was pretty awesome. But um, so I'm not getting paid. It's not a job. Is kind of ironic because it's like I'm starting completely over. Because in Kansas City, we moved from Lakeland to Kansas City uh, 15, 20, almost 20, I don't know, 15 years ago, let's just say, um, to for me to follow him around for two years unpaid as an intern, uh, which turned into a job, which turned into, you know, the rest of my career. Um. And now we're moving from St. Pete, which is, what, 45 minutes away, uh, up to St. Louis, which is about four hours away from Kansas City. And I'm going to follow him around uh, for free and, and just help him out, do what he does. So that, it talks enough about David and his ministry um, and talk about why we're going up there in a, in a broader sense. Um, there's a there's a book called Experiencing God. Let me look it up real quick. It is um, it's a great book. It's by Henry Blackaby and Richard Blackaby. Okay, and Claude King. I guess they got together and wrote a book. 
So Henry and Richard Blackaby have the big title, but experiencing God, I'll save you the money of having to buy it, even though you can. It's just basically the book totally redefines, help you redefine the world as a God-centered universe. And, and even personally in your mind and in your life, what that, what that is, for instance, um, so many times in my past, I have prayed and I have looked around and 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 saw opportunities that, of, of things I wanted to do for God. And I would ask and pray or I would just go and assume it was going to be awesome and cool. Or maybe not even something so awesome. Maybe it was just I wanted a, a car or I wanted a girlfriend or I wanted this or that and the other. And I just do it and I expected God to just bless me and be there for me and do what I want. And um you know, I'd heard that applied to non Christians. You know, we've all seen the graphic where we're sitting on the throne and God's off to the side and and then and the Christian, of course, has God on the throne and we're all no, we can do the same thing and we do. We do it a lot. I still do it. Um God's God's throne uh rarely gets warm. When I'm around. Um, but what he says is this, that uh, your, your life should be God-centered. And so rather than saying, God, where do you want me to, what do you want me to do? Or should I do this? Or I should do this for God? Or I, 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 you should, he says this, he says, look around your world and find where God is moving and join him there. That's the takeaway for me with that book. Look around, see where God is working or, you know, yeah, where where he's working and join him there. So it's God-centered. You go. And so my, my wife and I, it's been a long, slow process, but there came a point where she was ready and we looked around. We knew... It was time to make a change. It's time to move from um, limbo in our lives where we just were staying and, and waiting for me to get better. And it was time to start thinking about the future. And when we did, we looked around our world, you know, and, and not to sound overly spiritual, but just imagine lifting up buildings and houses and mountains and and families and friends and everything else out of the way and just looking on on out at the universe and seeing in our world where God was moving. And I think every single person that did something like this would see a different thing. They might see something right next door. They might see something in their own house. They might see something down at the church. But for us, when we looked around, where we saw God moving, it's it's in St. Louis. So we're making moves, the move to join him there. We didn't pray about it. Um, it made sense. It's, I, I don't know. It's a different topic for a different day. But I'll just say this, that I don't pray about details as much as I used to. Um, even big giant ones like moving to St. Louis. To me, it's a no-brainer. To me, if you do that, if you look around and you ask, and God is moving, and the, you know, 
you don't have to pray about it. It's it becomes a thing of will you do this or will you not? And we, it was, uh, you know, okay, flip it again, and let's go to traditional, and we would see an opportunity, and we would pray and ask God, should we go or not? Should we go or not? And now flip that around to a God-centered thing. I almost feel like God was asking us, will you go or not? So it wasn't us needing to ask. It was already there. Will you join me here, or will you stay, or whatever. And for us, it's like, heck yeah. Yeah, we'll go. My wife has a job there, which is an awesome thing. (laughs) She is the savior of our family. I have said it again and again and again. And I mean it strictly in a financial sense. That's all she's good for is her money. I'm totally joking. She, um, but she is the savior of our family in, in every possible way. She brought home chicken today. That was what a savior does saves you you know she saved dinner but um she's going to be heading up there a little bit ahead of me which is weird me and the kids are going to stay here uh we, that wasn't the plan the plan was to move up there we had a house picked out we went on a house hunting trip and um we looked at houses we found a great one it was just awesome it looked like a haunted house on the outside it was really cool that's what we called it the haunted house and uh unfortunately it had been a rental property and rental properties um generally don't they get responsive care meaning when something breaks they fix it but there's no maintenance done and and it just showed and we hit a brick wall with with an inspection issue and the guy couldn't provide some paperwork we needed and we just walked away and um that was very hard to do so we don't we we don't and we put an offer on another house that was perfect perfect except for the price was forty thousand dollars more than what we could pay and uh they they came down quite a bit but they still couldn't do what we needed them to do and it, it was a really good experience but uh ultimately had to walk away from that one so um you know, we could all move together and rent, and that's what most folks would do. But um, my kids are almost out of school, and we would have to pay for school. We'd have to, we'd be locked into a one year deal, you know, in a rental thing. Um, we would have to end up moving twice because move from a rental and then into a house. Um, what if we found a house halfway into the rental deal? You know, we're locked in. We're 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 liable for all of the payments. Uh, we can't buy a house for a whole year. We had to watch them come and go, you know? So um, what we're doing is we're kind of staggering the move. Um, and that will allow Jen to house hunt, you know, on her off days. And I will maintain life here. It's pretty pretty easy. I mean, it's not. But my wife's still handling, you know, the paperwork and the bills and stuff. So that's, that's a really good deal, but I'll, I'll handle the kids and get them to school and put them to bed and feed them and, and all that stuff. Um, but we're doing that. Obviously the kids get to finish school. So that's great. We don't have to pay, uh, all these fees for just a couple of months at the new school. Uh, they'll get to start the school at the beginning of next school year, rather than, you know, be the weird kids that started two weeks before school was over. Um, we will, in theory, if we can find a house in this time, that is the goal, uh, by the way, 
is is this one to two month period um, to be able to find a house and then move there and move once. <clears throat> um, but we will save money, you know, uh, with rent, obviously, because we're living here already. We're, we're we'd be paying this mortgage and you know rent up there, rent that we're just throwing away. Um, Jen did the the bills or whatever. Our our mortgage would be less than obviously rent would be, and we'd be paying all this you know twenty five hundred dollars in the year uh, more than than what we do if we could move into a house. And and this may not work. We may get to the end of the time and like okay, we can't be apart anymore. Um, or the house sells out from under us, you know, and we got to go and we got to rent and we got to go on about our business. Um, but one thing we don't want to do is rush into, you know, just get a house just to have it. And we almost did that with the haunted house because we really wanted it to work, but, um, there was a sewage issue and you know what? I don't like sewage. I don't like sewage issues. I don't like anything to do with sewage. Um, so yeah, we, we walked away from but I think that's everything. So we're, you know, Jen will go up there. She'll work. Um, oh, oh, another benefit of that is she's making more money at uh, this new job. And so that will help us um, financially, meaning for a loan and stuff. I mean, she does okay. But she'll be doing you know, a lot better at the new place. And so we will be able to borrow uh, a tiny bit more, which will make some other, you know, higher price houses um an option that we could then finagle down. Um, and it might make the one that we really wanted, but couldn't quite come down enough a possibility. So uh, I think if I go in any more, it's just boring minutia. But uh, the the my kids have a little string of loops and they tear off a loop for each day until, first of all, it was till we moved. But then when we lost or lost the house or gave up the house, I had a we we moved to Plan B, which was Jen moving early. So now they added some links to that, and we've we've kept them um, kept them abreast of only the stuff they need to know. Like we didn't tell them about haunted house, um, and if we did, we wouldn't have called it haunted house. <laughs> but uh, we didn't tell them about the house. We didn't tell them about all the fun stuff. I wanted to. I'm so glad I didn't, because uh, they don't need to know all the details. It 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 ignites things in my daughter where she feels like she's got the details. Now she's got to worry about them and they, they shouldn't have to. The important thing is that we got things under control and, um, it's, you know, once it's all over and we're there, it'll be done. Um, and if we can save some money in the meantime, that's great. So that's, that's where we're at moving, um, mission, you know, um, money, (laughs) And uh, a lot of hope, and we'll see. We'll just see what happens. Um, but I initially, <laughs> did all this to talk about podcasting. I um, so all that is going on, <laughs> and that's probably why I don't have the energy to podcast. Because I really, I still have wonderful feelings about it. I still want to do it. I love the community. I love the people that that this show attracts. That's how I know I've got a great show. I, I know I've said it a hundred times on on you know nobody's listening TSS uh, that we we don't have the greatest show. We have the greatest listeners, 
But I, but because we have the greatest listeners, I know that we have a really great show. And, um, you know, we don't get the, the popular crowd. We don't get the, the college kids that need swearing every other day or sex talk and all this kind of stuff. We get homeschool families, you know, we get college students who, who have, uh, you know, have a conscience. We get middle school kids who are dorky and, and awesome and uh, enjoy what they th- believe to be a, a more adult experience than, than they've had before, uh, which I think is cute and funny and, and ultimately dumb because middle schoolers are dumb. And they know middle schoolers be listening to this. So um, I've only got two years till I have one. So I, I I recorded this because if I didn't record something eventually and get my voice through a microphone, I knew I'd, I'd probably never do it. Just like last night when I talked to my wife and I said, I got to talk to you about podcasting. I don't want to. I, I feel horrible about it. Uh, but she told me what she told me about, you know, the, the my energy levels. And she's absolutely right. And it took so much pressure off. Because I've, I like I said, I have wonderful feelings about podcasting. I like podcasting. We want to keep doing it, but there's a lot of guilt associated because of the, the depression. I had a couple of bad weeks and I couldn't podcast. Well, now that I can, when I think about it, I feel guilty and horrible and, um, you know, not guilty like I've done something bad, guilty like I've let people down and that. And and then there becomes this thing where I don't want to start back up only to do this again and quit again for three weeks or two weeks. I don't want to do that. And, and and I hope that makes sense. You know, you think, oh, well, do it when you can. When you can't, you can't. Yeah, but I, I want to be consistent. I, I really do. People like consistency. The show suffers uh, when when the consistency isn't there. And then I can't even make an announcement. To let people know, you know that we're down because I don't want a pod fade. Oh, that word. Wish it had never been invented. Pod fading is when you do a show or two and then you do another one three weeks later and then another one a month later and then you're just done. You know, if I ever quit this show for real, it will be hopefully with a with a with a goodbye show. You know what I'm saying? Or any of my shows. But definitely not that pod fade thing. But so I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to get up and and go and then quit and back and quit. Yeah. So I I you know I I can't even mention to people on the on the sites. You know, hey, we're gonna take a break because it's not true. I'm not taking a break. And hey, we hope to be back up soon. You know, which I don't know if we'll ever be back soon. So I'm not gonna say that. It's just really difficult, but talking about it like this, it it helps, makes a little more sense. Well, it has been nearly an hour, and I have uh, been talking to you for a long time, and I appreciate you listening. And um, you know, I I always welcome feedback, um, not so much, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not a fan of of quick glib one sentence solutions you know oh god's an overcomer or 
you know, let go, let God, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, but if you have feedback or you want to share something or you can, you know, if something I said maybe unlocks something in your brain or in your heart, you want to share that, that's, that's what I live for or what I podcast for. I guess the last bit too, let me just say, back up a little bit before I say goodbye. Podcasting is the closest thing I have to a job. It is the only thing that I do other than artwork. And artwork is very hit and miss. Uh, it's the only thing I do consistently that makes money. And it doesn't make much. doesn't make enough to, to claim to be a full-time podcaster or anything like that. Um, but it did bring in you know, some money. Especially it, it made enough to where everything that I do podcast-wise is covered by itself, you know? It doesn't cost my family anything. Um, the Wacom tablet that I got to do full of wind and, and other artwork pieces, I, I was able to pay for that through podcast funds. And there was a time that would have absolutely blown my mind. And, um, and, and it is amazing. It is amazing that people would support me and stuff like that. But when I don't do shows, I, I'm not making money. That, that's actually the last thing I did before, right after I quit and I realized it was going to be a while. Is um, oh I well, I'd gone a month I, I Patreon <clears throat> people donate monthly and uh, and I realized I'd only given them maybe what one two shows that month and I couldn't I can't do that I can't take money for things I didn't do that's exactly why I quit my job in the first place is they deserved a full time pastor and they weren't I wasn't able to be that so I did the same thing and I. I instead of quitting though I just said we're moving to a a per show model which is what it was originally I don't know why I changed it somebody at a podcast convention said it was better I am not convinced but anyway um so last month was the first month for that to go into effect we didn't do a single show and I didn't get a single dime and um that's both a good thing and a terrible thing it's terrible that I didn't do any shows didn't make any money I didn't bring in any income into the family, um, but uh, it's great that I didn't charge people, you know, on this monthly plan that was on uh, for for content that they didn't get. So I feel I feel good about that anyway. Well, guys, uh, again, um, contact me if you want to send me something. Email me if it's not too personal. You can put it on the Facebook. Um, I want to encourage you to join the NLCast Facebook. Uh, community group it's very fun and very cool you can look it up online um I, one thing i have been doing consistently is um my full of win f-u-l-l-o-f-w-y-n.com full of win it's it's a once a week three panel web comic and i think i'm on uh number 19 i'm pulling it up right now yeah, I just posted number 19. A lot of fun. Um, it's a story about a guy uh, trying to... Well, it, I mean, it's a guy who's an alien. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be a podcaster. It's going to be great. He, uh, Him and his wife living together, his, his human wife on Earth. Um, but right now we're going through backstory on her and... Um, getting getting the whole thing laid up still in the setup phase uh so it's gonna be a lot of fun 
and I hope you, you will check it out. Uh, we'll see you guys next time, six months from now, maybe. I don't know. Uh, God bless. Peace out.